Now, Lord, as we look at this word, I ask that you would open the word of God to us so that we can apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we wrap up Joseph's story and the stories that we've looked at in the book of Genesis, you recognize that Joseph's story is full of pain and suffering. Joseph could have become a bitter man, intent on getting even with those who had done evil to him and caused harm to him. But in this story today, we're going to see how God brings about beauty from ashes and takes what is meant from, for evil and turns it into good. Back in the early days of our nation, shameful human trafficking was a well-known evil that separated families and slave traders raided the coast of Africa, capturing men and women, boys and girls, and subjecting them to horrible abuse as they became slaves of those involved in the slave trade. Now you recall from the story of Joseph, because of evil and greed, slavery which had been going on for many years, and I would say thousands of years before America became involved with it. Evil and greed turned people to doing things that were horrible, especially horrible with the family. And we read in Genesis 39 that Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave. It's one thing when you have people that are not your family um, doing evil things, but how much worse it is when people who are to love you and honor you and protect you do things that are so painful. And so we see Joseph's brothers who hated him. Do you remember why? Just I'll review with you a little bit why they hated him so much. It was because Joseph was the favorite boy. You recall his father, Jacob, had been tricked into marrying a woman that he didn't love and she bore him several sons. But the woman that he did love, who was Rachel, was barren for some time and finally was able to give birth to Joseph. Now Joseph is the favorite son. There's a lot of animosity going on between Joseph and his brothers. Now mention this, there's another brother going to be born. His name is Benjamin. But He's going to be born to Rachel, but during childbirth, she is going to die. And so there's this little brother, Benjamin, who is going to become the favorite of the father after Joseph is presumed to be dead by the father. So because of this evil happening in Joseph's life, being sold as a slave, he's taken down into an African nation of Egypt. But it says that God was with him. 
And I want you to make sure you understand this from what we've been reading. When God is with you, it doesn't mean that he necessarily is going to keep you in a situation where there's no pain and no evil that comes to your life. Doesn't mean that. When Joseph is a slave, God is with him. And because of the favor of God upon him, he becomes promoted to overseeing his master's household. And you recall we studied this already. The Bible says he's well built and he's a handsome young man. And that got the eye of his master's wife. And she desired to sleep with him. He refused to sleep with her. But it said day after day she would continue to uh, nag at him, trying to get him to go to bed with her. And when he, when she grabbed his coat one day, and he refused to sleep with her, so he shrugs out of his coat, leaves it in her hand, and she is so upset with him that she accuses him of rape. He's totally innocent. But now his master comes and he is angry, believing that Joseph did this thing that his wife accused him of and had him thrown into prison. Later, there were two guys that were put into prison as well, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and they had a dream. And both of them had separate dreams, and Joseph interpreted those dreams. And he said to the cupbearer, when you are put back into position of authority as cupbearer to Pharaoh, remember me. But it says in the scripture that he forgot. Until some time goes by, and Pharaoh himself has a dream that needs to be interpreted. Joseph interprets the dream. He gives glory and honor to God and says, I don't have this ability in myself, but whatever God relays to me, I will relay to you. And he does so. And he tells Pharaoh that um, there's going to be a severe famine that will come to the land. There's going to be a time of great harvesting, and then there'll be a period of seven years of famine. You should appoint someone to oversee bringing the grain into the uh, depositories so that during the time of famine, the people can be fed. And he is chosen by Pharaoh to be that man. So basically, he becomes the governor or the prime minister of Egypt. Approximately 20 years have gone by since Joseph had been sold by his brothers. So that brings us to Genesis chapter 42. Let's begin with verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us 
that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brothers came and bowed down or bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. I find this quite interesting. His brothers are bowing down before him. Do you remember the dream that Joseph had shared with his brothers? When he was a boy living at home, he was the favorite son. His brothers hated him. And when he shared this dream that he had, that one day in in his dream, the brothers are all sheaves of grain. And one day the sheaves bow down to this other sheaf, which he believes is himself. And he says to them, this is what I believe God has revealed to me in this dream. And so he tells them the dream. 20 years later, they are bowing down before him, but they don't recognize that this ruler is their brother, though Joseph recognized him. What would you have done if you had been Joseph? Joseph has the ability to make them pay for what they had done for him. But instead of being angry and being a bitter man, he determined to show forgiveness and grace and mercy to his brothers. And he was allowing God to direct his paths and to bring about the plans that God had for him. In Romans chapter 8 verse 28 Paul reminds us that God is able to work all things out for good, even though it may not feel good all of the time. It's one of the reasons we can't rely on our feelings, guys. There may be times in your life when you're going through some difficulty and it doesn't feel good. But Joseph recognized that even when he was a slave, even when he was in prison, God was at work in his life, and I am sure he had no clue how God was going to turn things out for him. So to make a long story short, Joseph imprisoned his brothers for three days. Then he released them, and sent them home with the bags of grain that they had purchased. And he secretly had all of the money that they had given to him put back in their bags. And he kept Simeon in prison and demanded that if they wanted to get Simeon out of prison, they were to bring back their younger brother to this land. Now, when their father Jacob heard what had happened, he refused to allow Benjamin to go to Egypt. 
But eventually the food ran out that they had purchased. And the severity of the famine dragged on and he changed his mind and thought, if we don't do something now, we are all going to starve. And so he sends his sons, including Benjamin, down to Egypt for more grain and to get Simeon released from prison. Well, Joseph welcomed the brothers to a meal at his home and he had the table set for all of his brothers in order of their age. They still have no idea who Joseph is. So from the oldest to the youngest, they have been placed at the table. But Benjamin, being his natural brother from the same father and the same mother, he gives to Benjamin, or has the servants give to Benjamin, five times as much food. Now, that, guys, I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> how do you eat five times as much as your brothers can? <laughs> but he was showing favor, especially to Benjamin, and he gave to his brothers a, um, a garment as well as a gift, but to Benjamin, he gave five of them. And Joseph had his brother's bags filled with grain again and secretly placed the money back inside the bags once more along with his personal cup, a silver cup placed in Benjamin's bag. So you see the picture here. They're heading back to Canaan. They have bags full of grain and the money has secretly been placed back inside the grain, with the grain, in the bags. And here is Joseph's personal silver cup that he had placed in Benjamin's bag. And they have no clue what has happened. Well, Joseph had his brother set up for this. So as soon as they left, he sent his steward and soldiers after them. And they said to the brothers, one of you has stolen Joseph's silver cup. They denied it. And so they go through the bag and in Benjamin's bag, they find that he has the silver cup. And in grief and terror, they are brought back to Joseph's house. Joseph threatens to enslave Benjamin. But their brother Judah intervened and pleaded with Joseph to imprison him instead of his younger brother. You see the transformation that has taken place in their lives here? At one point in time, they were going to kill Joseph... And then they decided to sell him as a slave. And now when they are threatening or threatened by this ruler who they do not know to have their younger brother Benjamin put in prison, Judah intervenes and he says, if you take him, this would mean that my father will die and in his grief he will forever 
Well, until his death, he will forever lament and grieve over the loss of Benjamin because he's already lost his one son that he loved. In Genesis chapter 45 through 40, beginning with verse 4, we're going to read that. But what I think is important here is to notice that the brothers seem to be repentant. There had been remorse. Joseph was setting this up so that he could see what the heart, what the attitude of his brothers were now. Do you know what the difference is, guys, between confession and repentance? Confession is admitting that you have sinned. I've done wrong. There are a lot of people who will confess, I did wrong. Repentance is making a change in your lifestyle, a change in your life where you're not just saying, oh, I sinned against you. Repentance is, I am going by the help of God not to act that way any longer. I am repenting. I am turning. So Genesis chapter 45, beginning with verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine right then how they felt? And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. I think these guys probably about wet their pants when they realized that this was their brother alive and prime minister of Egypt and they had sold him as a slave. God's people are to forgive those who sin against them. That would be my second point in this message. Joseph didn't minimize their sin against him. Yet he showed mercy and grace and forgiveness toward them. And he revealed God's overarching plan or arching plan to use him to preserve their family during this time of famine. What comes to my mind is this scripture. When Jesus said, if we would not forgive those who sin against us, neither could our Father in heaven forgive us our trespasses. Forgiveness is part of the gospel. The Bible says we have all sinned, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. God in his grace and in his mercy chooses to love us in spite of the fact that we are sinners 
and he chooses to forgive us, not because we finally become good enough, but because of the love that he has for us. And through the shedding of Jesus' blood on Calvary, we are able not only to find forgiveness, but we're able to find restoration and healing and brought to a relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. I want you to understand this. When someone sins against us, And we are to forgive them. It does not mean that they are not accountable for their sin. It does not mean that, oh, it's okay. It really didn't matter. It did matter. Joseph wasn't minimizing the fact that his brothers had sinned against him. But what he was looking for was had they been transformed yet had there been repentance had there been a change in their heart in their life now forgiveness can be extended by me to anyone even if the change has not yet occurred but it does not mean that it never happened some people have been abused badly it happened It doesn't mean that when you extend forgiveness to the person who perpetrated the crime or the pain, the hurt against you, that it didn't happen. What it means is, is that I choose to forgive and not hold it against you. Now, God is so much different than us. God is able, it says, to take our sin and remove it from us as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us any longer, right? But I remember when you, John, sinned against me when you were young. You wet my pants. (laughs) He was sitting on my lap. I was dressed in a suit and I was in a large auditorium and these were back in the days when we didn't have pampers and stuff. We had cloth diapers and I wasn't very good at this but I got him ready and he went with me and I was a a teacher at a school and he was sitting on my lap and I was asked if I would stand and pray over the student body. And I am thinking, John just wet my pants. But I've got this circle all down through here that looks like I just wet my pants. We remember those things, don't we? But God remembers our sin against us no longer. I can tell you, but not nearly as good as my wife can tell you, of things that happened in our married life, especially during the first years, when it was kind of tough. 
I can remember, it was kind of tough. She can remember usually what she was wearing and what I was wearing and what I said and what she said and what I did. And I have no clue what she's talking about. I just have to take her word for it. But when I say to her, I am sorry for what I did, for what I said. She has the opportunity of receiving my forgiveness, believing whether I have, whether I am sincere or not. And because she's not God, she doesn't know whether I have really been repentant or not until she sees the fruit in my life. Understand? God knows immediately. God knows exactly what you're thinking, what you're saying, whether there's a change in your heart. But she won't know until I start behaving different if that repentance has really happened in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Joseph saw that his brothers had changed. He then identifies himself as to who he is. And I'm reminded that Jesus says that all of us have sinned and have, well, Paul says it actually, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. All of us are in need of forgiveness. All of us need a savior because we have sinned against God and yet Jesus loved us so much that he paid the price of our atonement even before we had sinned. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus pays the price for our atonement, the penalty for our sin because he loved us. And we're wondering, how can that be when he didn't even know us? We weren't even born yet. But we understand According to the Gospels, God in his mercy and his grace chooses to forgive us. And because we are a forgiven people, we are to show forgiveness to those who sin against us. So Joseph and his brothers are reconciled. Then at the request of Pharaoh, the brothers were sent home to bring their father Jacob and their families and all their possessions back with them to Egypt so that they could be cared for throughout the, throughout the time of the famine. So they were given land in a place called Goshen that was very fertile. And they could raise their crops there. They were shepherds. They were people that cared for the flocks and for the cattle and so on. And this was a detestable thing to the Egyptians. So I didn't want them intermingling with the Egyptians because the shepherds and the people that care for the cattle are not respected by them. But when they come to Egypt, all seems to be going well. They have been treated very fairly. They have been given land. Their brother, Joseph, is prime minister 
And everything is going hunky-dory in their life. And then their father dies. And Joseph and his brothers and a large entourage took the dead body of Jacob back to Canaan to be buried in the cave with his fathers. And then when they returned to Egypt after the burial of Jacob, Joseph's brothers were afraid that maybe now Joseph might seek revenge now that his father is no longer in the picture. So let's read Genesis 50, beginning with verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So not only was Joseph willing to forgive, he was willing to provide for those who had done wrong to him and to take care of their little ones. There's something that John Wesley said many years ago. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. I like that. The last point here is God can bring good from evil. So though Joseph's brothers were afraid, Joseph understood that God had a plan, an overarching plan that was going to bring good out of the evil that had been perpetrated against Joseph. So Joseph is now in the place that God had intended for him to be all along, but Joseph wasn't given a script by God when he was a young boy. Who knows what God is going to do in your life and through you regardless as to your circumstances or your age. Joseph kept his eyes on God and not on his circumstances or on the people who had sinned against him. He didn't hold his position of authority over his brothers. He didn't hold a grudge against them. And he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And Joseph is seeing the sovereignty of God, I think, at this point in time in his life. 
We don't find him lamenting over the time lost with his father or his family or complaining that he had been lied about and been sent to prison and he didn't complain. It doesn't seem like that um, if they hadn't done this, this wouldn't have happened and I could have spent more time with my dad. We don't find that. Instead, he focused on God and he trusted in God's plan for his life and he was able to see how God was using him to bring salvation to his family and he realized that when he had that dream as a young boy, many, many years ago, this is what the interpretation of the dream really was. God's sovereignty over all of life, guys, encompasses the free actions of human beings who commit atrocity and commit pain and commit sin. God's sovereignty encompasses all of that. And he is able to bring good out of evil. Jesus never tempts us with evil. God never tempts us with evil. But people are evil and they commit evil acts. And as a result of that, we sometimes end up paying consequences that were never ours. But God still has a plan. And God is able to turn about things in our lives and bring good out of all of the things that are not good. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Even freely chosen sinful actions are factored into God's overall plan, as is with the case of the crucifixion of Jesus. An event purposed by God through foreknowledge, and yet it was carried out by the wicked decisions of sinful men. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Apostle Paul wrote that God is working all things for the good of those who love him. All things. Not just the good things, but all things. And when we trust in God's promise to fulfill his plan and his purpose in our life, even when we do not understand our present circumstances, we have hope and we can have faith that God is not yet finished. The message of the gospel, guys, centers on God bringing good from evil at the cross. And even though Joseph lived centuries before, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to pen Romans 8.28. He captured the heart of that message in his response to his brothers here in Genesis 50. Where he says, though you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Jesus has the ability to bring joy from pain and abundant life from suffering.
And as a forgiven people, we can choose to forgive others. And because God can bring good out of the evil in our lives that happens, we choose to trust God in all of life's circumstances. Because God is not willing that any should perish, we choose then to carry the message of the gospel to all nations, to all people, calling people to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Because when it's even difficult for us to forgive ourselves, when we truly are repentant, God changes even the most terrible of circumstances. And brings good out of evil. I think it, I think Robert, um, Gordon, maybe it was you. In one of our last meetings, you mentioned, I believe, about um, Betsy, who was the sister of um, Corey Tinboom. And Corey Tinboom, as you recall, in a concentration camp, ended up living and sharing her testimony and her faith. And as we read, read the story of Corey Ten Boom's life, we all seem to think it's really cool how God was able to bring about good out of this evil. But I want to remind you, her sister also was a believer in Jesus Christ, and she died in that concentration camp. God was still on the throne He had a different plan for Corey than he had for Betsy. But we have to, as his children, say, you are sovereign, which means he's in control. I am not. So I will focus on you. I will rejoice in you always. And I will be faithful to you. Are we ready to worship? All right, come on up, team.